podcast. Thank you. Our speaker okay. will share her own recovery journey, and then she will guide us through a study of step 11. She will be referring to our big book, Eating Disorders Anonymous. She will provide page references as indicated. There will be time for questions and members sharing after she finishes. Some members find that the book is much easier to follow if using a paper version of the book. If you only have the book on an electronic device, today you may prefer to just listen. And with that, I cede the floor. Go ahead. Okay, thank you so much. Um, well, my name is Ellen, and um, I am in recovery from an eating disorder. And um, I'm very grateful to be here tonight. Um, Eating Disorders Anonymous has, um, is a real lifeline for me. Um, it has truly, say, I, I believe, saved my life. Um, I'll just tell you a little bit about what it was like, what happened, um, and what it's like now, and then we'll go into the study of Step 11. So um, I grew up in a family um, where there was... Uh, a lot of emphasis on health and food and weight and um, I do not play I don't blame my parents for my eating disorder um, but that definitely played a part um, in contributing to um, my eating disorder uh, behavior um, as well as um, I also had a trauma that I experienced um, during childhood as well as in my adult years. Um, and then I uh, trained to be a professional ballet dancer. And so um, because of that, um, that created a, a kind of an experience where I was able to um, be uh, in an environment where I was able to hide my eating disorder for uh, many years um, because it was in an environment where those behaviors um, were more or less acceptable. Um, by the time that I was about 18 years old, um, my health was starting to deteriorate because of um, my eating disorder. And we were going to different doctors. And, um, but, you know, I was in a lot of denial around what was happening to me. Um, I was experiencing many different different things. My eating disorder at that time was primarily um, anorexia. And um, I remember at one point um, we went in to see the doctor and it was the first time that any doctor had actually diagnosed me as having an eating disorder. And uh, she told my mom point blank that, that I had anorexia. And, and I remember we left the, the doctor's office that day and um, we just kind of laughed at the fact that the doctor had, had, um, had diagnosed me that way. And because that there was that much denial that I had around it and that my family had around it. Um, and then, when I went to college, um, my eating disorder um, got a lot worse, and I picked up um, additional behaviors, uh, started to kind of morph into 
not just anorexia, but also um, bulimia. And um, I finally reached a point where I got um, really desperate and felt like I really um, needed to get some help for myself. Um, I started to get really scared um, because of some of the behaviors that I was participating in. And um, so I ended up calling my parents and telling them um, that I needed to get treatment. And they did get behind me, and uh, they were very supportive around that. And I ended up coming home from college. It was my uh, junior year, and um, I left college two weeks before finals. I ended up taking um, incompletes. And uh, I left and I moved up to uh, Michigan and uh, was hospitalized up there. And then I went into treatment for about five or six months. Um, and, you know, I wish I could say that then, you know, I got cured, but, um, you know, that was not, not my path. Um, I did get a lot of help from the, the uh, therapist that I um, went up there to see. And, you know, I, I had my, I had different relapses. I was kind of in and out of relapsing from my eating disorder. I would have periods of time where things were better and then periods of time where um, it would not be very good. Um, I finally reached a point in 2003 um, where the bulimic behavior, um, I was able to, to stop that um, through the help of my therapist and uh, psychiatrist. Um, but I still ended up struggling with um, other eating disordered um, behaviors. And I moved down to Texas because of work. Um, I got a job uh, teaching and choreographing dance. And um, I also had other addiction problems. I, um, by that time, I was an alcoholic as well as a pill addict too. And I ended up um, going into treatment for that when I moved into Texas. Um, well, when I moved to Texas, um, so I was in a meeting in, uh, in AA and they announced that there was, um, a eating disorders anonymous meeting and I had started working the steps in AA and I, I was really worried about the fact that I, I didn't want to relapse in the bulimia. I was really concerned about that because I had so many emotions and so many feelings that were coming up, and um, and I was I was just really concerned about that, and so I was really excited about the fact that there was this this twelve step program for eating disorders, and so I um, I ended up uh, going to the eating disorders anonymous meeting and. And here were all these people that were similar to me and were sharing, um, you know, how they were, were recovering from their eating disorders. And that was uh, back in uh, 2009. 
And um, so I got involved at that point with, with the meeting here in Houston. And um, I ended up helping a gal out. I drove her to meetings and I got involved in the meeting itself. And um, But then in 2011, I ended up becoming um, very ill with some issues that were, were not related to um, my eating disorder, but, but other, other chronic health problems that um, caused me to be homebound. And so I ended up finding the telephone meetings. Um, and so that ended up becoming um, just a really tremendous uh, blessing for me because, um, you know, I, I, I wanted to be able to continue um, my recovery in some way. Um, now, I have to be honest with you, I was not um, 100% as far as my recovery went. I was still kind of in that place, that gray area where, um, you know, I would get a little bit of recovery and then I would relapse and I would get a little recovery and then I would relapse. Um, but the main, the main thing that I think that was important is that I kept coming back and I kept coming back and I kept coming back and I kept committing myself to uh, pursuing recovery. Um, at one point I left Eating Disorders Anonymous for a period of time because I wanted to focus on AA and I wanted to focus on another 12-step program and that did not turn out very well for me. Um, I found out very quickly that I really um, needed Eating Disorders Anonymous. I really needed a program in my life to focus on um, for my eating disorder recovery. Um, and so when I came back to Eating Disorders Anonymous, um, I made a commitment to find some home group meetings for myself, meetings that I would show up in where people could get to know me and where I could get to know them and where I would commit to be there every single week um, unless something strange came up. But, you know, for the most part, that my commitment would be there to, to be at those meetings. And, um, of course, I could add additional meetings if I wanted to, but I would pick out particular meetings that, you know, were my home group meetings. Um, and so I did that and I still have my home group meetings for EDA today. Um, and so that, that ended up being a really key, key part of, um, what helped my recovery. Um, and then, you know, another part of what helped my recovery was, um, getting connected to other people in the program, um, reaching out to other people and, uh, sharing um, my story and um, sharing what was going on with me and, and getting honest. And um, finally, in uh, 2015, I ended up having um, a relapse um, with uh, anorexia. And um, I reached a point where I just 
I just felt, I was just so sick and tired of being sick and tired. And um, I, one of the things that I had not done up to that point was, uh, you know, I had, I'd availed myself of the, the meetings. I had done the, the support system. I had um, done um, service work in the program, but I had not um, done the actual steps in uh, Eating Disorders Anonymous yet, even though I had been in the program that many years. Um, so obviously I'm not the poster child for EDA. But um, anyway, so I made the decision that one of the things that I really needed to do that was really critical for my recovery was to work the steps. And so I found someone to work the steps with. And at the same time as that, I also availed myself of uh, as many outside resources as I could. Um, I worked with a dietitian. I worked with a therapist, I worked with a psychiatrist, um, and Eating Disorders Anonymous uh, does encourage us to, you know, get as much outside help as we can. Um, it, it, it supports us in that, um, and I'm thankful for that um, because I know for sure that I needed it. Um, and I still um, see a therapist and a psychiatrist and a dietitian today, um, even though you know, I'm, I'm in recovery at this point and have been stable. Um, so, but um, anyway, so I ended up gaining um, some stability in my recovery. And um, one of the things that the steps did for me was um, not only did it help me to um, change as far as um, gain per, different a different perspective on um, my life and um, it helped me um, to be able to gain um, a connection with a power greater than myself which um, ultimately uh, helped me to be able to um, uh, stop my um, my eating disorder behaviors, um, but it also opened up some some things that were even um, even bigger for me, um, such as um, uh, forgiveness and um, connecting to my family. I had um, for a long time I had blamed my family for my eating disorder. Um, but I was able through the steps to um, to let all of that go um, and and not blame them anymore. Um, and you know another thing that I was able to do was um, to let go of the shame that I felt um, as a result of having an eating disorder and all of the secrets that I held with that. Um, so you know, I could actually walk free. Um, and that was, um, that was and is an amazing thing. Um, so that I can connect with people in um, an authentic way. 
So anyway, I, I can't say enough about Eating Disorders Anonymous. Um, it has really transformed my life, and I'm so grateful for it. Um, and I encourage anybody that is new or is struggling um, to give it a shot. And, and if you are in the process of, you know, you know, where you're having a hard time, um, just keep coming back, just keep coming back, um, because it, it really does work. Um, so now I'm going to go into the steps. Uh, we're going to be on step 11. And if you, you can find it on page 192 in the Eating Disorders Anonymous book. And it says, step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood God, praying only for knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry that out. If you go down to the second sentence on that um, page, it's it, um, in that uh, bottom paragraph, it says, it prepares us to face the day with renewed commitment and resolve to do our best as we strive to be of cheerful service to those around us and to God, our higher power, or the greater good, whatever that may be for us. While there is no one right way to do this, we find that a daily discipline is well worth the effort. So um, a couple of things uh, within that paragraph. Um, one is that it prepares us to face the day. So it prepares me with... Um, a different perspective. Um, it gives me the ability to face the day um, with a, reco a, a perspective based on recovery, um, which I need. Um, another thing is that there's no one right way to do this. So there are many different ways to do prayer. There are many different ways to do meditation. Um, and so there's no one right way to do this. And um, the important thing is not how we're doing it. The important thing is that we're doing it, um, that we're actually taking the action. Um, and then down here where it says a daily discipline is well worth the effort. Um, so I know that for me, um, making that um, a daily thing has been uh, really critical to um, my own recovery and um, uh, really my own serenity and sanity. Um, I uh, what I do is I bookend my day. So I um, I have uh, when I get up in the morning, I set aside time at the beginning of the day to do prayer and meditation, and then in the evening, right before I go to bed, I set aside time to do prayer and meditation. And then if I have time in the afternoon, um, I'll um, try to grab a few minutes as well. Um, one thing about that, though, is that, you know, it doesn't have to be something elaborate. Um, it can, you know, it can be just a few minutes. It doesn't have to be, you know, a prolonged period of time. If you want a prolonged period of time, that's fine. Um, but, you know, whatever you can do um, is fine. Um, on page 193 is uh, the second paragraph in, 
is says, those of us who do not come from a tradition or practice of faith need not find step 11 especially problematic. We, find our, we remind ourselves that God in EDA literature can mean the deity, a deity, a spiritual entity of one's own understanding, a higher power or a non-spiritual conception, a higher purpose. And we remember that reliance on any one of these ideas can provide the perspective we need to find balance, peace, and freedom. No matter what ideas we start with, Step 11 reminds us that we derive the power of perspective from focusing on something or someone greater than ourselves. So here, um, the importance is um, finding something or someone uh, greater than ourselves that is going to provide um, that different perspective, that um, something that we can actually uh, rely upon so that we can get that balance, peace, and freedom. Um, and I know that for my own life, in my own life, um, finding that balance, peace, and freedom has just been amazing. Um, I, uh, you know, through practicing step 11, I don't have much, as much anxiety. I don't worry as much. Um, and, you know, I'm able to focus on what I need to do for my recovery each day. So going down to the bottom of the page on 193, the very last sentence, it says, whether we practice formal prayer and meditation or practice conscious reliance on a higher power, flipping over to the next page, our understanding will likely evolve over time. Step 11 encourages us to start with whatever conceptions we trust and work mindfully and deliberately to explore how we can use the power of these ideas in our day-to-day -day lives. So, you know, the important thing here is that we start with a conception that we can trust. So my conception is, is more than likely going to be different than your conception. And my conception is going to be, because things are ever-evolving and changing, is going to be different today than, you know, it was five years ago. And it's going to be different today than it will be two, year, two years from now um, because of the fact that I'm continuing to grow in my recovery. Um, but the important thing is, is that I remain open-minded. Um, and that I remain open to, to that growth process. Um, go ahead and um, turn to page 196, um, about the middle of the page in, uh, on the, the middle of the page, in that middle of that paragraph. It says, when we take care of our own basic needs and then make a concerted effort to put into practice the unselfish ideas expressed above, we soon see for ourselves that the process does work. It doesn't have to be remote. Step 11 means committing oneself to action. We take care of basics so we can do the next right thing that helps others. So a um, couple things right here. Um, one, one is um, the fact that, you know, this doesn't have to be um, remote. It, it actually is something that can connect to um, our daily life. Um, in, uh, the, on the previous page, there was the prayer of St. Francis and the alternative statement, which um, 
identify ways of um, being of service um, to our, the world around us. Um, so, you know, step 11 through step 11, we can connect ourselves um, to service. And, um, but one of the things that's important here is it talks about here about taking care of our own basic needs. So it's really important that um, we meet those things first so that we have uh, food, that we have sleep, that we have clothing, that we're making sure that we have shelter and physical safety, that we have air, that we have water. Um, because if we're not meeting those physical needs, uh, if we're not made, meeting those basic needs first, um, then we're not going to be able to be of service to those around us. Um, so when we meet those basic needs, then we have that foundation. Um, and then we can connect to a power greater than ourselves um, and then reach out to the world around us and be of service. Um, go ahead and flip over to page 197 uh, to the italics. It says, step 11 enables us to form deeper and more authentic connections with everyone. We're able to love people exactly as they are without unreasonable expectations when our peace and power comes from something greater than ourselves. So I love this because um, in EDA it connects uh, step 11 to um, how, we, how we can relate to um, others in our relationships. Um, so because it, it talks about here that when our peace and power comes from something greater than ourselves, um, that we're able to have those um, authentic connections um, because, you know, when I'm not placing unreasonable demands on another person, when I'm not, um, when I'm not um, trying to force solutions um, or when I'm not trying to force outcomes, when I'm letting the other person be who they are and when I'm letting myself be who I am, um, then it fosters that um, that uh, environment um, where I can have those deeper and more authentic connections. Um, go ahead and, and move to the bottom of the page. Um, it, in the middle of the paragraph, it says, throughout the day, as we feel agitation or doubt, we pause and search or ask God for the right thought or action. We remember we are not running the show. We are here to serve. So throughout the day, um, we're going to have different emotions that are going to pop up. Um, we're going to have um, agitation, uh, fear, uh, confusion. Um, different emotions are going to come up for us. Um, but the important thing is, is that um, Step 11 uh, gives us a toolbox to be able to uh, use to deal with these things. So, you know, it enables me to be able to pause and to be able to say a prayer and to be able to ask for help. Um, it enables me to be able to pause, to be able to become quiet, to do some meditation so that I can open my heart and um, to get an answer for what the next right thing is uh, that I need to do in any given situation um, so that I might be able to be of service. Um, and then um, moving up to uh, 
the la the the paragraph above that um the second sentence in um this is really the wonderful um, benefits that we get from practicing step 11. It says, by relying on a power or purpose greater than ourselves to frame up our experiences, we can embrace the physicality of our bodies, the power and intensity of our emotions, and connections of trust, free of fear, with deep love, joy, and delight that had, had never seemed possible for us before, we can be free at last. So how amazing is that, um, that by uh, relying on that power or purpose, um, that, that we get all of those amazing things that can be ours, um, and that, you know, and the greatest benefit is um, that we can be free um, because we're relying on something else. Um, and um, and then, then in that, with that position, um, we can rely on something that so that we don't have to practice our eating disordered behaviors one day at a time, one moment at a time. So anyway, um, that's my perspective um, on step 11 and uh, my story. So um, now uh, we'll go ahead and open the floor up for uh, shares and I guess, questions, and I'll take, turn it back over to you, Olga. Thank you very much, everybody, 